0: So we come to the last of the series of the Second Coming that we've been looking at over the last uh, number of teachings. The Second Coming forming part of the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. And the reason that we look at the Second Coming is because the First Resurrection, which is the resurrection of the saints, is directly linked to the Second Coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've looked at um, seven, we've looked at key events out of Scripture that pertain to our Lord's second coming so that we can see in God's timeline just where we are at this point in time, how how close we are to our Lord's return to the earth, what has taken place, what is still to take place. And uh, we can see basically by looking at the key events uh, that we've been picking up out of scripture, just where we are in God's calendar. And we've looked at seven key events so far. We looked at the fourth kingdom being manifested in the earth, which is the uh, religion of Islam. And that is already in place in the earth today. We looked at the key event of the falling away. um, We saw that the church is ripe for the falling away to occur. Um, It hasn't occurred yet. Uh, There's going to be a trigger for that particular event to take place in the church. But uh, the church is pretty far down the line uh, to experience the falling away, then we had a look at the nation of Israel, having been, uh, ha- having to be gathered together in the geographic location of Israel, and we saw that we're pretty much halfway uh, down the line for that particular key event to be uh, being fulfilled. In that, uh, there's still more more Jews living outside of that uh, geographic Israel today than there are inside. But um, it's pretty much half-half at the moment. And uh, that number is reducing all all the time. When I say reducing, I'm talking about Jews living outside of Israel. More and more Jews are being moved into Israel. And then we had a look at uh, the temple having to be rebuilt, the third temple. Uh, and we saw that uh, it is definitely uh, scriptural that the third temple will have to be rebuilt. And... Uh, there's signs in Israel that uh, more and more Jews are wanting their temple to be built, and uh, that is certainly going to happen. And God's been dealing with the surrounding nations. Uh, there's been a lot of upheaval in, in the surrounding nations, in the Middle East, which is all um, acting as a catalyst, uh, allowing, which will allow uh, Israel to build their, their temple on Temple Mount. And then we looked at the next key event which is that the fullness of the gentiles have to come into the kingdom of god this particular event will only take place just before um, natural israel is brought into the kingdom of god because it's at the time that the fullness of the gentiles are brought in that the veil is then taken away for israel and they come into the kingdom of god and so uh, that key event is obviously not come to fruition at this stage but it's very rapidly drawing to a close. In that, um, fewer and fewer nations in the earth, Gentile nations, have not yet heard the gospel. In fact, there's very few that have not heard the gospel. And our Lord said, "This gospel will be preached in all the nations, and then, uh, and then the end will come." Um, and uh, We we basically are saying that this generation that's born into the earth today will most probably be the last Gentile generation uh, that will hear the gospel and uh, respond to the gospel. Um, And then the, the time of the Gentiles will be over and the time of the Jews will begin. Then we looked at the key event of the two witnesses, and we saw that those two witnesses of Moses and Elijah, and they will appear... They will minister in the nation of Israel for three and a half years. We said when, they, when their ministry uh, starts, when they appear on the scene, that it's a game changer in the, in the earth, in that the supernatural power of God will be displayed in the earth on a grand scale. And uh, the whole world will realize that she's now moving into a different uh, time. Um, but that is still futuristic. That will still happen uh, at a later stage after these other key events that we spoke about um, are brought about. And then we saw the, the last key event we've looked at before this one we're going to deal with today. There's two we're going to deal with today. And then we'll finish the series. It is the Antichrist himself being revealed? And we saw that the Antichrist will be revealed and his reign would last for three and a half years. And at the end of his reign, then our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth, and the church will be caught away. Um, and so we saw that who the Antichrist is. We saw that he is currently being held in the bottomless pit. Uh, he'll only be released when his when his time comes. He's part angel, part man. He's immortal. Uh, the false prophet is also part angel, part man. That, and we discussed all of that. Um, we saw that his reign will not be over all of the earth. His reign will be over that fourth kingdom. Although his reign will influence. The rest of the earth and he will certainly be the most powerful individual on the earth during his three and a half year reign and so that brings us now to the next key event that must happen before our Lord returns and this key event is directly linked to the revelation of the Antichrist for uh, when the Antichrist is revealed this particular key event um, is triggered and this key event is the Jewish believers not talking about the unbelievers, because there will still be some, we're going to go through it, the Jewish believers fleeing the um, geographic location of Israel. Um, Because that, that is an event that our Lord prophesied about, and that's an event that has to take place. In the Gospels, our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about this particular event, but he spoke about two separate events in the Gospels, and that's where... There is a bit of confusion that does arise surrounding this particular event in Scripture. Um, mm, All right, let's have a look at at what our Lord said about it first, and then we'll have a look at what Daniel said about it as well, because our Lord alluded to Daniel's writings when he spoke about this particular event um, that will happen when the Antichrist is revealed. The first time that our Lord spoke about... uh, Um, when the Jews had to flee Jerusalem and Judea was when he was in the city of Jerusalem. Um, And that account is given to us in Luke's gospel. Matthew and Mark's account, let me just put it into clarity for you. When our Lord was in, in in the city of Jerusalem, in the temple, the disciples uh, uh, drew his attention to the temple and I said, Lord, Lord look at all the, the fantastic buildings here, look at all the stonework, and our Lord then made the comment that do you see all these things? There will not be one stone left upon another, it will not be thrown down. And when our Lord made that comment, he was in the temple at the time speaking um, in response to the, the comment made by the disciples. When our Lord made that comment while he was standing in the temple, the disciples then said to him, but wait a minute, when's that going to happen? How's that going to be? And so our Lord then gives them um, a breakdown as to what is going to transpire around that event. Um, What happens then is in Mark's and and Matthew's gospel, uh, if you read the accounts, their accounts is almost word for word exactly the same. Luke's account is different. Luke's account is it seems that the Lord's speaking about the same event but he's not and we'll pick it up as we go through scripture. Um, Luke's account is what our Lord um, taught on while he was in the temple. Mark and Matthew's account is when Peter, James, John and I think it was Andrew as well um, were with the Lord on the Mount of Olives after that event, after the Lord had already spoken to everybody in the temple. They come to him privately on the Mount of Olives and they say, Lord, you know, can we have some more insight on this whole thing that you've been speaking about? Now, when our Lord then speaks to uh, Peter, James, John and Andrew, he doesn't now speak to them about the uh, account of the Jews fleeing Jerusalem. He now speaks to to them about the account of the Jews fleeing fleeing Judea. And uh, there is a difference between the two as we're going to go through Scripture now to to highlight that fact. Um, and so the first account when our Lord spoke to the disciples in the temple and he gives them in Luke's Gospel. Uh, Luke's Gospel is recording a separate uh, account that our Lord gave. Uh, Matthew and, and Mark's Gospel is recording uh, when our Lord was on the Mount of Olives and he gives a, um, an account to those, uh, those four disciples. Peter, James, John, and Andrew. He gives them more insight as to what is going to transpire. Um, so when our Lord speaks in Luke's Gospel, He's given the, the Jews an account of what will happen when Jerusalem, the city, is going to be destroyed in 70 AD. That's the prophetic um, account that our Lord is giving at that time. And so with that in mind now let's go have a look at Luke's account and see what he actually said and the account is in Luke chapter 21 beginning at verse 20 and so our Lord says but when you see Jerusalem so our Lord is is, uh, in Luke's account he's specifically talking about Jerusalem by and by and large he says when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies Now, Matthew and Mark mention in their accounts nothing like that. The Lord doesn't mention anything about Jerusalem being surrounded by armies um, as he does in Luke's account, because they're two separate accounts given by the Lord. So he says, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Verse 21. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, Let those who are in the midst of her, which is Jerusalem, depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. So don't go back, don't go into Jerusalem when this event is occurring. All right. Verse 22. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great great distress in the land and wrath upon this people wrath upon this people, okay? Now don't forget that there's going to be wrath upon the people. Verse 24, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so our Lord in this account is talking about Jerusalem when Jerusalem is destroyed in AD 70. And so we can now unpack what actually transpired here. Our Lord says to the disciples, he says, when, and he gives them the, the sign. He says, this is the sign you need to be looking for. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, that's the sign that Jesus gives them at this time. He says, then you know that its desolation is near. Then, and only then, he says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And let those who are in the midst of her, being Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. Okay? For these are the days of vengeance. And so this is the vengeance that's going to occur. And just prior to that, our Lord had said to Jer- uh, the city of Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who do always uh, destroy the prophets. And he said, if um, if only you had known the time of your visitation. But he, he then kind of prophesies I'm paraphrasing, he said, but you're going to incur the wrath of God because you did not know the time of your visitation. And so our Lord does mention here that... Um, this will be a a great there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations so in AD 70 that's exactly what happened um jerusalem fell was completely destroyed um there was wrath that was poured out on the jewish people and they were led away captive into all nations and jerusalem from that day onwards was trampled by the gentiles until the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. Now the time of the Gentiles has not yet been fulfilled because the fullness of the Gentiles has not yet come into the kingdom of God. But it's certainly drawing to a close, which is why Jerusalem is becoming more and more uh, controlled by the Jews. Um, there's still this, this Palestinian uh, impact that's got to be dealt with, God will handle that. But, and so the Gentiles are still um, trampling underfoot Jerusalem, the city, at this point, but it's less than what it was a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, there were no Jews there. Uh, But now, um, there's, you know, a huge percentage of the population of Jerusalem, the city, are Jewish now. Um, So let's get back to 70 AD, what actually transpired. And then we can look at the historical account and tie that back with what our Lord actually said. What happened was Judea rebelled against Rome in AD 66. 65, 66, they rebelled. They, they kind of said they were they're going to become independent. And so Rome sent her armies uh, into um, Judea to quell the rebellion and to bring them back under control. And what happened is in AD 66, the, the Roman general, I forget what his name is, but he brought um, the Roman armies to the city of Jerusalem. And they surrounded the city of Jerusalem and they tried to penetrate the walls of the city of Jerusalem, but they could not get in, all right? And so after a while, it wasn't too long, a period of months, that Roman army packed up and left. Now don't forget, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, which is four years later. So what happens here is that the, the, because at that time, AD 66, there were Jewish believers living in, in Jerusalem. Um, Peter and them was, uh, had just uh, gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, there were still a lot of the uh, disciples, because our Lord died eighteen AD, AD 31, so we're looking at Thirty-five years odd later, thirty-four years later, and so there's a lot of uh, Jewish believers in the city of Jerusalem who are part of the church that was started and planted by Peter and James and John, um, and you know, and so the, all of them are still in the city. So when they see the armies, the Roman armies surrounding the city of Jerusalem, they recognise the the prophetic warning given to them by the Lord Jesus. For our Lord said, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Now the Lord is not saying, Guys, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, that's the time to get out. Well, it's impossible to get out at that time because it's surrounded by armies. How the Jewish believers going to get out? You know, because the Romans are there. They want to, get, they want to you know, kill Jews. So there's no way of getting out. So our Lord had given them the heads up and He said, there's going to be a, a, an incident that will occur, and you will see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. Now, when that happens, and only when that happens, the Lord said, then you have to flee. And He's only talking to the, the Jewish believers, He's not talking to the whole of the Jewish nation. Because the, most, the vast majority of the Jews were unbelievers. It was a very small percentage of Jews that were believers. Um, you know, the church in Jerusalem might have been 15,000 strong, but at 15,000 among a population of a million is very small. And so what happened was the Jews, the Jewish believers, when they saw that incident take place, they recognized that's the prophetic warning that our Lord has given. Now it's time to get out because our Lord said, those in Judea flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city of Jerusalem, now's the time to leave. Okay, he says you only leave once you see this. The armies are around, and so you know there has to be a, a, um, something that occurs that allows the Jewish believers to believe uh, to leave. Sorry, and then he says to the rest of the Jewish uh, believers, don't go back into Jerusalem. Now's the time to leave. So the armies pack up and they leave. The Jewish believers recognize the sign and they pack up and they leave. And they went to a, a, a little town called Pella, which is on the east side of the Jordan. All of the Jewish believers left. Now it's still four years before Jerusalem falls. Now there, you, you must understand that the rest of the Jews must have laughed at them uh, because here the, the rest of the Jews had stood up against Rome Rome had sent her armies to quell the, the rebellion and Rome had withdrawn and so now the Jewish believers are saying okay well, that's our sign we need to get the Lord's given us the sign he said this is the time to get out and so they get out they leave they go they move to the little town of Pella on the east side of the Jordan because our Lord said flee Judea don't stick around in Judea they leave All the unbelieving Jews, which were by far the majority of the Jews, must have laughed at them because what are you running away from? You know, we just defeated the Roman armies, and they hadn't really defeated them, but they'd uh, withdrawn. And so the rebellion's going well. We're, you know, we we are establishing uh, the Jewish nation. But here all the Christians, because they were Christians, Jewish believers or Christians, uh, pack up and leave. But four years later, the Roman armies return. And when they return, it's over the Passover uh, Feast that uh, the city of Jerusalem is actually taken. Now, when the Roman armies return, a lot of multitudes of Jewish uh, people, not not believers now, these are the unbelieving Jews, had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And so Jerusalem was packed when the Roman armies arrived for the last time. And they could not get out. They were trapped inside the city and, and that, that city fell in AD 70. Now when that city fell, there was an absolute uh, carnage that broke out in the city of Jerusalem. There was a slaughter next to nuns. Huh? Um, Josephus was the uh, Jewish historian at the time and he records that hundreds of thousands of Jews were slaughtered at that time. Um, by the Roman armies and, and their mercenaries who were just... And then this, the, 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 the temple was completely demolished, burnt down and trashed, and, and completely demolished. Remember our Lord said, not one stone will be left upon another. And our Lord said, and this is going to be wrath upon the people. So they incurred the wrath of God because they had not recognized the time of their visitation, 35 years, 40 years before, when the Messiah had been in that city, and they had crucified the Messiah. And so now God's wrath was poured out on that nation, and they were then taken captive into every nation in the world. And that is when uh, the, the the nation of Israel ceased to exist as a nation, AD 70. Um, and Jerusalem was then, from that point on, trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, and has been for the last two thousand years trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. Has been under control by Gentiles. Even when the Christians went down there during the Crusades, it was still Gentile Christians who were in, pretty much in control. The Jews were out of it. The Jews were not part of uh, uh, Jerusalem and not part of Judea anymore. They had now been scattered to the rest of the, uh, of the earth. Um, but when AD 70 occurred, it did not affect the Jewish believers. For they had picked up on the sign given to them by the Lord in Luke's account. And he said, and our Lord said to them, guys, when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, that's the time to get out. And so that they took the Lord's warning. They got out and they were not impacted by what happened to all the other Jews, the unbelieving Jews who stayed there. And that is Luke's account of the, the end times. Now, Lord then goes on to elaborate about the end times. But specifically relating and around Jerusalem and Judea and the Jews fleeing Judea. He's believing Jews. He's not talking about every Jew. He was talking about the believing Jews. It, Luke's account, our Lord is talking about AD 70. He's not talking about the end times. It's two different accounts entirely. Um, and so hopefully I put that in a little bit into perspective for you because it's not often taught that our Lord, because, because Luke, Mark and Matthew's account of the end times is so similar. Everybody thinks, OK, well, the Lord, it's just um, Luke picked up something that Mark and Matthew didn't pick up on. And so Luke added it in, Mark and Matthew didn't put it in, they're, they're Gospels. that's not the case at all in luke's account our lord was speaking to the disciples in the temple and he spoke specifically about ad 70 plus he tagged in uh, the in a lot of the end time events but on mark and matthew's account which we'll read now Um, our Lord is speaking purely to those four disciples privately on the Mount of Olives and they're asking for more input. They're saying Lord when is this all going to happen? What is the end of the sign? And then our Lord does no longer refer to AD 70. He now refers to the abomination of desolation which is the Antichrist which is when Judea um, once again he warns the guys to to get out. But it's a different warning and we'll have a look at it. And it's a different um, timeline the Lord gives To the disciples but it's two different events you 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 have to see that in scripture in order to understand it if you don't see it and you try and mix the two you get very confused as to what is our lord actually saying here um so once you recognize that there's two events that our lord prophesied about then it opens up for you and it makes a whole lot of sense again and so we'll read matthew's account mark's account as i said is almost word for word exactly the same as matthew's And so we'll read Matthew's account um, of the same event just 2,000 years later, AD 70, and when the Antichrist appears. So um, Matthew 24, beginning at verse 15, the scripture says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. the holy place is the temple. Remember, we've already dealt with the fact that the temple will be there when the Antichrist appears. And the scripture again says, whoever reads, let him understand. And we'll we'll elaborate a little bit on that uh, as I carry on with this teaching. Why? Both Mark and Matthew say the same thing. Whoever reads, let him understand. The Holy Spirit is telling us, we do need to understand this particular abomination of desolation that our Lord Jesus is referring to. Um, and I'll, I'll explain it as we get, go into it. And then verse 16, now, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So it sounds very similar, because in Luke's account he said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Here he says, When you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So there is a difference here, a huge difference, because... In Luke's account, the the Jewish believers, our Lord's giving them the the warning sign. He's saying, when you see this, this is when you act. You don't act before, but when you see this, this is when you act, and this is what you must do. All right? So they see the armies around Jerusalem. They recognize now's the time to go. The armies go, okay, the Lord's given us the gap, now we're going to go. And so they leave. So that was their warning. They took it. They did what the Lord said to do. In Mark and Matthew's account, the Lord's warning is different. He doesn't say, he doesn't give them the time that the armies are around Jerusalem. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. Now, the abomination of desolation is the Antichrist, the son of perdition. And standing in the holy place, he's literally standing in the temple. Now, the temple is in the middle of the city. It's not uh, out on the outskirts of the city. It's on the temple mount. And so our lord says to the guys at this on this incident he said when you see this antichrist now our lord doesn't re- refer to him as the antichrist he refers to him as the abomination of desolation it's you know he, the antichrist is a different we've discussed it, different titles and but our lord says when you see him standing in the temple that's when you have to leave all right so if it had been a case that him standing in the temple um, and it was an invading army, then it's too late because the, the armies are now inside the city of Jerusalem for the Jews to now leave. But in this instance here, our Lord's giving Because this is still a warning to the church. So our Lord's not, not saying, you should leave and it's impossible for the church to leave. Lord, how are we going to get out? Because, you know, we, the armies are here. We can't get out. Because, I mean, for the the Antichrist to be standing in the temple, he must have got in there um, and if it's because he got in there because of invading armies, well, then the armies are going to be there with him inside the city. And they're going to be slaughtering Jews left, right, and center anyway. So how is it possible for us to then get out? Uh, you've given us our warning too late, Lord. And so that's what, uh, the point I want to make. The Lord never gives his church a warning too late. He gives them enough time. And so when he, he said, on this occasion... When the Antichrist, uh, he, the Lord says the abomination of desolation, it is the Antichrist, same thing. So in should we' we say, when he is standing in the holy place, when he's standing in the temple of God, then Jewish believers, leave, get out of Judea. But listen also to what our Lord says, verse 17. He says, Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And verse 18 and let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes but woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in winter on the sabbath okay so here the lord is saying this is i'm giving you the heads up this is the time that you've got to get out but you your, your timeline is very short in other words you not only you can't even go back into your house and pack you just drop what you're doing and you leave So when you see the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, standing in the temple, that is when all Jewish believers are told to leave Judea and leave the city. And don't even try and pack anything. You just drop what you're doing and you leave. That's the urgency to it. And those Jews who do that, drop everything and leave, will get out. The ones who procrastinate and try to go back and try and pack here and there, uh, they're not going to get The timeline that our Lord has given is very short indeed, but it's still a a sufficient time for the Jews to get out. Now, something else that he says, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Now, why on the Sabbath, Lord? I mean, what's the big deal about what day we have to flee Judea? I mean, why must we pray that it won't be on a Sabbath? I mean, the Antichrist is not going to be a holy guy that he's going to observe the Sabbath. So what's this? And whoever armies are with him are not going to be, you know, people observant of the Sabbath. No, it's because Jerusalem shuts down currently and it will shut down even more over that time because... We went through the previous teachings was that the Orthodox Jews, their influence will grow dramatically. Don't forget, we've got temple worship that's once again being reintroduced into, uh, uh, into Israel. And so the, the Sabbath, they shut down. Nothing operates. There's no taxis. There's no trains. There's no, it just comes to a standstill. And so it's that much more difficult to get out. When there's no transport and there's no place that you can go fill up your car with petrol and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's why the Lord says, pray that it won't be on the Sabbath. Indicating to us that the, there will be a lot of Jews who will still be Orthodox Jews, unbelieving in the Messiah. So it's not a case of every Jew going to, and we're going to get through it, will turn to the Messiah when uh, uh, Moses and uh, Elijah... Uh, come on the scene a lot of them will turn to the Lord but not all of them will because our Lord says pray there won't be a Sabbath now you know if if it's all if they all believers and they all know okay now the antichrist is standing in the temple we've got to get out they're not going to say okay well but it's a Sabbath so we can't get out because you know we can't drive because it's a Sabbath we don't drive on sabbath You know, that's not the thinking that the Lord is saying the Jewish believers who are wanting to get out will be hindered in getting out if it's a Sabbath because they will struggle to be able to get uh, fuel for their cars and things like that because the rest of the Jews will all be shut down for the day. And that's the kind of impact that he's talking about there. But I wanted to bring out the fact that Matthew and Mark's account, the Lord is talking about the end time event. Luke's account, he's talking about the AD 70 event, and that's the difference between the two. Um, and so the heads up that the, the church gets when the Antichrist appears is they, when they see him standing in the, in the temple. Now, how does he get into the temple? Well, don't forget, we said that when he comes on, makes himself manifest at that time, it's going to be a very powerful event. Because Moses and Elijah would have already been um, in the city of Jerusalem and their ministry would be drawn too close and he takes them on. But it would be him on his own most probably with the false prophet. The two of them will be taken on the two prophets of God. And he overcomes them. But there's no armies that he's with at that time. He's there on his own in his supernatural ability given to him by Satan. It's going to be a different time. Um, And when he then stands in the temple and proclaims that he's God, then and only then will there will be an an invasion of Israel as a nation by the surrounding armies of the Muslim nations. They will come in. But before that, they wouldn't have come in and would give the Jews time for them to get out of the city of Jerusalem. And they will have time to flee, but they will have to do it immediately. They will not have time to pack. They will have to do it immediately, and they will have to get out of uh, Jerusalem straight away and out of Judea straight away. They've got to go. Now, I, I mentioned the, in, in in both Mark and, and Matthew's account, the scripture says, the Holy Holy Spirit says, when they refer to the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, um, it says, whoever reads, let him understand. Now the reason that the Holy Spirit puts that little comment in there is because Daniel gets shown two accounts of abomination of desolation, and there there are two accounts in Scripture. The first account occurred in AD 167 BC, AD, occurred in BC um, 167, and that is when Daniel, and that's in Daniel chapter 11. He talks about the abomination of desolation in Daniel chapter 11, and then he talks about the abomination of desolation in Daniel chapter 12 both abominations of den- desolation are the same type of event, but two different events. The first one is when there was some um, uh, ruler of, uh, uh, it's not a history lesson here, but if you go back and you look at the you you, you, you look up in on the, on the history books, what happened was is that, um, I think he was an Assyrian or whatever, he was some ruler who had invaded Israel, invaded uh, Jerusalem, and had taken, gone into the temple and stopped the daily sacrifice, and had set up um, uh, some god, whatever, and he basically set up a a false god inside the temple, and he had defiled the temple, and that is the abomination of desolation that Daniel refers to in Daniel chapter 11. Now what happened at that time, is that um, the Jews rebelled against this guy and they, were mani- they managed to get him up. It was the Maccabee re- re- um, revolt that occurred at that time. And they then cleansed the temple from what this particular individual had done. When they cleansed the temple, a, a Jewish feast came into being called the-, the Festival of Lights, the cleansing of the temple. And that Jewish feast only started in AD 64, I um, I keep saying AD, in BC or 165 BC, that that started, I think it was 165, 163. It was in 167 that this guy goes and he defiles the temple and he is the abomination of desolation that Daniel speaks about in Daniel chapter 11 and he stops the daily sacrifice and he puts in all of these false gods inside the temple. The Maccabee revolt occurs, they kick him out and they cleanse the temple and the, the Jewish feast, uh, festival of lights, the dedication of the temple, rededication of the temple is started in that, at that time which is 165 BC, I think that's the correct date. Ever since then the Jews as a nation have uh, celebrated that feast, that's been another feast that has been added to their calendar and has never gone away. So much so that when our Lord was on the earth, he went to Jerusalem in that feast. John the the Apostle um, refers to that particular feast. John the Apostle refers in his gospel to three specific feasts that our Lord actually attended in Jerusalem. Uh, The Feast of Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, and this Feast of of, uh, Lights, Dedication of the Temple. And so this feast is sanctioned by God. And you will see... uh, uh, as we get to the rest of the teaching on the resurrection of the dead, just why that is because there will be, there will come a time when the temple will be cleansed once again when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Because don't forget now, when the Antichrist does take on Ma- uh, Moses and Elijah and kills them, and they get uh, taken up by God into heaven, and he stands in, in the temple now, he says he's God, he's now the abomination of desolation, he takes away the daily sacrifice, he's now the abomination of desolation. In the temple, he has defiled God's temple. When our Lord returns to the earth, our Lord will reign from the city of Jerusalem geographically, and He will be in that temple. In order for our Lord to go, He's going to cleanse that temple, so that feast will once again be reintroduced, kind of uh, in the literal sense, in that Jesus will now cleanse the temple of the defiling that the Antichrist has done in that particular temple. But that's just. Uh, By the way, but the point is, is that Daniel's visions, he sees two abomination of desolations. He sees the one of the, that occurred in 167 BC. And don't forget, that was still far futuristic for Daniel because he was living long before that time. And so God showed him that abomination of desolation with the cleansing that would take place. And then in Daniel chapter 12, he shows him the second abomination of desolation, which takes place now when the Antichrist will stand in the temple and he will uh, defile the temple of God. And so that is... um, how you differentiate because again when people study Daniel's uh, visions they get confused because they treat those two abomination of desolations as the same uh, event and it's not. It's two separate events. It's the same type of event in that both defile God's temple and both have to be cleansed and both were, and both are should we say. One was, one still to happen. But they, the two visions that Daniel has are of two separate abominations of desolations. And that's how you differentiate Daniel's prof, uh, prophecies towards end time. And that's how you also differentiate Luke's account of the end time with Mark and Matthew's account of the end time uh, as given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, you know, as I said, we're dealing with the, the topic of the resurrection of the dead. This is not a detailed subject. Uh, teaching on the end times because in order to do detail in detail you've got to go through all the scriptures and you've got to you know show people uh, how it all ties in but we don't have the time in this because we're just given the highlights in these series of teachings but you can go read it yourself and study it and pick up uh, uh, on the teaching and then go and apply it and you'll see how it will slot in and fit in and so when this event occurs Israel is now going to go through a Torah time, the the nation of Israel, because now the Antichrist is going to set up his rule in Jerusalem um, from the temple, and he's going to rule over the fourth kingdom. And the way it it, it, it starts off, it starts off in a very bad light. Look at what Zechariah prophesies, prophesies about it in chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. He says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. Now, don't forget, all the nations didn't battle against Jerusalem in AD 70. It was only Rome. Um, But in this account, all the nations are going to battle against Jerusalem. Now, all the nations the Lord is talking about is that confederacy of those ten nations that uh, fall into the rule and reign of the Antichrist. They will... Um, battle against Jerusalem, the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. They'll be raped. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And if you go read the rest of that passage of scripture, it talks about how the Lord is actually going to destroy the nations that came against Jerusalem. And that's when he returns. So between verse 2 and verse 3, that from verse 3 onwards now, Lord returns to the earth, and he deals with these nations. But in verse um, 2, we see those nations coming into the city of Jerusalem and pretty much wiping out the city of Jerusalem, and obviously also Israel as a nation. Um, and it's, not, it's a Torah time for, for the Jews. He says half of the city will go into captivity. Now, don't forget, when eighty seventy 70 occurs, not half of the city goes into captivity. All of them are either slaughtered or go into captivity. That's, but in this instance here, only half of the city goes into captivity. The other half remain. But he says, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So what does he mean by that? Well, the remnant of the people are the believing Jews. Okay? They will not be cut off from the city, meaning that they are still going to be part of spiritual Jerusalem. And so they will not be cut off from the city. Because Why? Because they, they got their heads up and they left. They pull out before these armies invade uh, Judea and the city of Jerusalem. And so when the Antichrist, the, 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 the kickoff, well, this whole event to occur is the antichrist takes on moses and elijah in the city of jerusalem destroys them, stands in the temple when he does that only then do the armies of the antichrist invade israel and uh, invade the city of jerusalem that's why the jew the believing jews are given a very short timeline to get out from that from the moment they see him there and now they have got to get out um and they're not even allowed to pack they just got to go drop what you're doing and leave because it's a very short time because now the the armies are coming in and they will come in and they'll take the city. The Lord said they would. And so uh, Daniel Daniel does talk about it as well. Let's look at Daniel chapter 8, verse 23 through to verse 25, talking about how the Antichrist is now going to reign. He says, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, The king shall arise. Now he's talking about the Antichrist. Having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Don't forget, Satan is the one who gives him his power. He shall destroy fearfully, and shall prosper and thrive, and shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. So he's he's really going to be going after the believing people and the Jews. Verse 25. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. And that's, he, he's obviously, he, he'll blaspheme uh, heaven, he'll blaspheme God. He, when he's, the scripture says he'll be broken without human means, it's because our Lord is going to destroy him. No human's going to do, it. Uh, Jesus Christ himself will take care of him when our Lord returns to the earth. And then in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, Scripture says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now this is talking about the Antichrist. And so he, uh, let me just read the whole Scripture and I'll comment. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Okay. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. And so what the scripture is talking about here is that remember don't forget the antichrist before he makes himself manifest in the supernatural he has already become the leader of the the fourth kingdom so he's he's got a, a, a a very prominent position in the earth at that time because he heads up the fourth kingdom in that role he makes a covenant with the nation of israel Now, don't forget, the nation of Israel at that time had not yet turned to the Lord. They still are Jewish unbelievers, all right? Um, He makes a covenant with them for seven years. It's like like a a non-aggression pact for seven years. And that particular covenant, non-aggression pact, is recognized by the rest of the world. Everybody takes a big sigh of relief because now there's peace in the Middle East at last. And Israel takes a big sigh of relief because, you know, they really going through a Torah time. Israel would have become more and more isolated in the earth by that time. And so she really needs this peace treaty that she's now negotiated with the Antichrist. They don't know him as the Antichrist. They just know him as the leader of this uh, Muslim world out there, which is surrounding the nation of Israel. And so he makes this covenant with them, a type of a non-aggression pact. After he makes the covenant with them, because um, it's a seven year covenant, the scripture talks about a covenant, but you know, it's a, it's a peace treaty, so to speak, um, and it's, it's in place for seven years. But when Moses and Elijah do come on the scene, there'll be roughly about 16 million Jews living in Israel at that time. Now, don't forget, our Lord says to us, when they see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place talking about the Antichrist standing in the temple. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And the guys who are in in the city depart and don't, you know, and whatever you're doing, drop it and go. And pray that it won't be on a Sabbath. There's not going to be an exodus of 16 million Jews getting out of Israel when they see the Antichrist in the temple. It's not going to happen. Because... Not all of Israel will have come into the kingdom of God. But just as um, it's the time of the Gentiles now, and for the last 2,000 years has been our time, um, we've never seen the whole world coming into the kingdom of God. Even where we've seen huge revivals taking place, and multitudes, and and thousands and thousands, and today there's more Christians on the earth alive than there have ever been at one time. But still, we don't make up the majority. We are still, as believers in the earth, a very small portion of the earth's population. And so it will be as well in the Jewish population. It will not be all 16 million Jews that will say, OK, Jesus is the Messiah. We got it wrong. Now we're going to follow Jesus. No, it's going to, because don't forget, it, it, it starts off with 144,000. Because it's the, they, the first fruits that come into the kingdom through Moses and Elijah's ministry, and then it, it grows up from there, and it's a large percentage of the population that give their hearts to the Lord, but nowhere near the sixteen million Jews that will be living in Israel at that time. The vast majority of them will still be unbelieving Jews. Um, let's have a look at a, a scripture that occurs. Sorry, bear with me. I'll pick it up. Go back to Zechariah. And that's not what I wanted. Alright, I don't have the scripture but it... it, um, In the book of Revelation it talks about the fact that when uh, the Antichrist is made manifest in the earth that there will be a, a, a great earthquake in the city of Jerusalem and I don't have the scripture with me. There will be a great earthquake in the city of Jerusalem and 7,000 people will be killed. Now, in order for 7,000 people to be killed in a city uh, that gets affected by an earthquake, the population size of the city has to be quite vast. And if you extrapolate it out with with normal stats, you're looking at a population of of people living in the city of Jerusalem of roughly 700,000-odd people. 7,000 it might be 10,000 that will be killed in that earthquake at that time that's at the time that the Jews are told to get out uh, this earthquake occurs and 10,000 people or 7,000 people are killed currently in Jerusalem there's roughly 800,000 people living there now and so the population will be pretty much the same now, a lot of Jews will have left but certainly not all of the Jews will have left when uh, this particular event occurs and so it's not going to be all the Jews that will give their hearts to Jesus Christ um, when Moses and Elijah come into the earth uh, for their ministry. And that's pretty much the, the, the point that I wanted to put out about how Jerusalem, the Jews, are going to be affected at that time. But the believing Jews, our Lord gives them the heads up. He tells, get, get out. And those who do get out, who hear His warning, will avoid this. For it's not our Lord's will that His his, um, church goes through this type of thing. However, there is going to be, from that time, we now get to the last of the the key events that have to occur before our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And that key event is the Great Tribulation. And there is going to be a Great Tribulation. Let's just have a look at what our Lord said about it. In Matthew 24, beginning in verse 21, the Scripture says, For then there will be Great Tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be and unless those days were shortened no flesh would be saved but for the elect's sake those days will be shortened and so when the antichrist begins his rule and reign it is going to be a torrid time for the jewish people and also for any christians living in muslim nations the 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 persecution that will break out against the, the jews especially the jewish believers and Christians will be absolutely atrocious. In, in the book of Revelation, we um, John sees multitudes before the throne worshiping God, and the angel says to him, well it might be the elder, says to him, these are those who uh, have been martyred um, for not accepting the mark of the beast. And so during the, the reign, because the Antichrist will reign three and a half years, during his reign there are going to be and uh, myriads of believers who will be martyred during that time and that is what our lord says unless those days were shortened no flesh would be saved but for the elect's sake those days will be shortened so our lord is not saying and um, because uh, uh, nobody would be saved uh, in that they would not give their hearts to the lord he says no flesh would be saved because it, you know this antichrist if, if god just let him have his way he would kill every single believer out there on the planet And so God limits his reign to three and a half years um, in order to make sure that there is still uh, people on the earth when our Lord returns. Because remember, uh, Paul prophesied, he said, we're not all going to die. Some of us are going to be alive and remain when our Lord returns. And so... That's what our Lord is saying. But our Lord is also saying, he said, this is a great tribulation and has not been seen on the earth up until the time that our Lord was there. Never ever shall be seen in the earth again. Now think about uh, certain um, persecutions that are broken out against the Jews for arguments. and also Christians. Think about the Holocaust. I mean, those really uh, were torrid times that those people went through. And yet our Lord said, this time is going to be worse than that. And so the tribulation that the, uh, will go, the church will go through um, under the reign of the Antichrist is going to be absolutely uh, horrendous. Um, the church is not appointed to wrath. So we will never incur the wrath of God. And that's why we get taken out. That's why the first resurrection occurs at the end of the, the great tribulation, at the, at the end of the three and a half year period. But the church is appointed to tribulation, by the way. And so at the end of the three-and-a-half-year period, the, that's when the first um, resurrection occurs. And the church, thats the, the Bible talk doesn't talk about a rapture, but that is what everybody understands. That's when this rapture takes place. At that time, when the church leaves, that's when the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. And so the church is not appointed to wrath. So she leaves and then God pours out His wrath. But the church is appointed to tribulation. Um, there's many scriptures in the New Testament that talks about that fact. And uh, I'm not going to go through that in any kind of detail today. But um, the church will go through a Torah time and the Jews will go through a Torah time under the reign of the Antichrist. And that is, um, it's not going to be a happy time on the earth. That's why our Lord says in Luke 17, verse 22, then he said to the disciples, the days will come, when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, you will not see it. So there's going to come a, a time in the earth where no more gospel is going to be preached because it's just going to be a church in survival mode because there's going to be no more Gentiles added to the church. The fullness of the Gentiles would have come in already. There's going to be no more Jews added to the church because they would have come in uh, under um, Moses and Elijah's uh, ministry. And so it's just going to be the Jews and the, the church Jews and Gentiles, um, left on the earth and trying to survive. They won't be getting together for big rallies and big prayer meetings anymore because there will be just such tremendous persecution that will break out against the church. She will not be able to, she will remember the days when, gee, when we could worship freely Lord and we had song and we had Jesus Culture and all of these uh, concerts we could go into and that's all going to fall away. There won't be there to the available to the church anymore now it's just going to be a case of uh gathering together in small little groups underground um under tremendous persecution and a lot of arrests being made and a lot of uh, martyrs being um, killed for the lord so it's not going to be a good time to be on the earth and let's have a look at one further scripture that just helps us see what this time on the earth is going to be like in revelation 13 beginning at verse 13 he says He performs great signs. This is talking about the false prophet now. Um, So that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Remember we spoke about this. the supernatural. Our Lord, our Father is getting a last strong delusion into the earth. Verse 14. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. The unbelievers will follow him hook, line, and sinker. By those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. So he's got to be in the presence of the Antichrist when he does these signs. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now don't forget, under the Old Covenant, time and again the Lord says to those who worship idols, you know, these things are dumb. They can't breathe, they can't speak, they can't see. Why do you worship a a stone? Why do you worship a, a block of wood? But in this case over here, this stone will come to life, this block of wood will come to life, because he has that ability. Um, he was grant, Verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the statue that they set up will start to breathe. Um, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So, you yeah, know, the Jews are going to really, unbelieving Jews, are really going to be rocked because all through the old covenant, they've been taught that these blocks of wood are completely dead. And now there's a big stone in front of them that comes to life and says, you better bow to um, the Antichrist or, and they're going to bow because, you know, they going to say, well, you know, if God's God, word is true, that can't happen. That's happening. So God's word can't be true. I'm going to bow to the Antichrist. And so there's going to be many that will turn to the antichrist. Verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell any uh, buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so what it will happen is that this false prophet will start going up, because don't forget when the Antichrist comes on board as the ruler of the fourth kingdom and he starts his reign now from the temple, he's still only reigning over the fourth kingdom. But now the false prophet is now going to extend the rule and reign of the Antichrist because his goal is to rule the whole earth. And so the false prophet will start going into the surrounding nations and convincing them they need to be turned into the antichrist and setting up this this image that will come to life and speak and people will you know be taken in they have to um and so the fourth kingdom will start to expand in the earth and so what, what christians have to be weary of is where you are based um geographically now and going forward is just what percentage of your population of the nation that you dwell in is Muslim. Because those nations that are, have a sizable Muslim population are the ones that are going to quickly fall to the reign of the Antichrist. They will quickly align themselves to the reign of the Antichrist. And when they do, in those nations, great persecution will break out against the Christians in those nations. And so you know, that's the kind of scenario that will take place over that period of time. Um, but not all nations will he have influence over here and he has three and a half years to reign and in that three and a half year period he will not gain uh, rule over the whole earth because there's still the other three kingdoms that will be on the earth when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And so at the end of his reign of three and a half years um, that three and a half year period is going to be a terrible time for the church on the earth and a lot of them will be murdered um, and martyred for the Lord. But at the end of the three and a half year period, that is when the first resurrection will take place and our Lord Jesus Christ will return. And we're going to end the teaching on that point. That's the end of the second coming series. We'll now move on to other aspects of the um, resurrection of the dead in the next series of teachings. But we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.